Welcome to another week of Dynamo Discussions. This week I am solo hosting because Santosh is busy showing GE around Chattanooga and around our offices, which is super cool. We will have GE on next week's episode, but this week we're going to talk sales because if you can't sell your product, what are you doing? We have some great insights from our resident sales expert here at Dynamo, so enjoy. week we are with Jason Provancha. He is the CSO at Steam Logistics. Hey Jason. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you doing? Good. Thank you for coming in and talking with me. So we like to start every podcast really just getting to know the person and finding out how did you get here. So why don't you talk a little bit about your career path, how you got to be CSO at sure. Steam Logistics. Yeah, no problem. So um, when I got out of school, I jumped into a startup uh, right away um, that was a, is a marketing firm that specialized in healthcare. And so we sold marketing services into the healthcare space, mostly content marketing, mm -hmm. uh, which was kind of in the very early days of that, even that term. Yeah. Um, Did you go to school for that? I was a journalism major, well, communications major, okay. um, but journalism sort of fit under that umbrella. Um, and I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and I got this job basically managing client accounts. It was kind of an account manager job right out of school. There was only six of us in that company at the time. Um, and I actually spent 12 years there. So a good chunk of my career was spent helping to grow that company. Um, I, I ended up transitioning out of account management pretty quickly and got into sales. And then by the time I left there, I pretty much had responsibility for the revenue side of the balance sheet. Um, we grew it over about a 12-year period into about a, it wasn't a huge company, it's about a $25 million company, so it's not super impressive growth over 12 years, but mm -hmm. uh, it was fun, and we, I sort of grew up professionally in that business with yeah. a lot of my friends. We actually had a very young team coming out of college, and then we just kind of stuck around, and the nice part about it was I had a lot of responsibility early on in my career, so it helped me to kind of learn how to be a professional and how to manage a lot of things. Um, so I spent 12 years there. We went through a leveraged buyout with a, a private equity firm, um, and so I left about four years after that and uh, didn't really know what I wanted to do, and I got introduced to Ted Alling, and um, the timing was right for uh, Access America to hire somebody like me to come in and help with corporate sales, and so mm -hmm. I did that. And so I transitioned to Access America Transport, which... Uh, is a, at the time was a top 10 third-party logistics company in the country. It's based here in Chattanooga with uh, 10 offices around the country. And so I jumped into that role. I uh, really enjoyed that uh, for two years. And then we sold that business to Coyote Logistics, um, who then ultimately ended up turning around and selling the combined business for about $1.8 billion uh, to UPS. But mm -hmm. So I spent a year at Coyote after the transition and um, and then I spent all of last year within Lamp Post Group uh, here right. doing various things and mostly the technology space. Uh, and then just transitioned to Steam in December of last year uh, to lead the sales function there, yeah. uh, which was a little bit like coming home. We started Steam as a sister company to Access America, so I had a hand in that process to some extent, at least uh, kind of getting our arms around it organizationally. Mm -hmm. 
um, and knew a lot of the people. And of course, the CEO, Steve Cox, is a friend of mine, and um, we worked together at Access as well. So um, back in logistics, which has been fun, this time on the international scale, which yeah. is a little bit more unique. Um, but it's been great. Very cool. So you've been doing sales this whole time. Yep. What about... First of all, what about sales is it that you enjoy that makes you, you know, stick with that? And then also what makes you good at it? I think what I like about it is that it's fundamentally it's problem solving. Um, if, if you really take sales seriously as a profession and as a craft, which I do, it is a um, it is really a process of helping clients sort of self-identify problems within their organization that hopefully, hopefully you can help them solve. Mm-hmm. And so I like that part of the process. It's, a, it, it, it is a, um, it's very cerebral if you take the right approach to it. Um, and I think I'm good at it because I, uh, I, I think I have a really high level of empathy, um, and I think that that's probably the most important trait you can have in sales is yeah. truly being able to understand people and put yourself in their shoes. Um, and so I think those things are, are really, imp- I, think, I think empathy, I think self-awareness um, are, are really critical traits to have in sales. And I feel like I've developed those over, over my career um, just through experience and reading and things like that. Yeah, I think sales guys get a bad rap. Like you think of the used car salesman a lot of the time. Sure. How do you approach sales and avoid that stereotype and teach your team to do the same? Well, we train our team around that's that very dynamic in that one of the things that we have to do as sales professionals, particularly in a service business where essentially you don't have products, you're basically selling promises. Mm -hmm. And so people buy from a service company in many ways, largely based on their experience with their salesperson and and that, and, and how that person interacts with them. And so it doesn't take much sometimes to separate yourself from a lot of those kind of stereotypical salespeople just by you know, having a brain in your head and being respectful and, yeah. and, and conducting yourself. I always tell our team, you know, be a business person who sells. Don't be a salesperson. Yeah. And I think that just that mindset will help people to r- embrace sales in a, different, in a different manner. Cool. Um, you said you were brought into Access when they decided it was time to have someone like you mm-hmm. on board. When do you think is a good time for a startup to hire a CSO or a sales expert? I would say as soon as you have a product or a service that mm-hmm. is marketable, uh, the sooner you can have somebody leading that charge. I would say within a startup, though, everybody should be a salesperson mm. in the beginning, and they should have a mindset for that. Certainly, there's certain people who um, may not be naturally inclined towards it. Yeah. Um, but I don't think sales is an innate born with skill. I think it's actually something that's quite uh, a process of learning. And so I don't think you have to be an extrovert. I'm not particularly extroverted. I I am in some ways, Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm not the guy who comes into a room and is like the master networker backslapper guy. Like that's not what I do. You definitely don't strike me as that. No. And so I don't think that founders of startups should outsource the sales function. I think Mm -hmm. they should pull up their boots and do it. Yeah. And I think I, and I and I think most founders would fundamentally agree with that even though many of them don't feel like sales is um, maybe what the way I've just described it. I think I think that connotation of the used car guy um, is it, you know, it's pretty prevalent. So yeah. 
But having said all that, I think investing in somebody who can sell quickly uh, is a smart idea. I also think that you have to be careful not to go get some guy with a really fancy title from some multi-billion dollar company who's going to come in and, you know, have had an experience at, you know, having, you know, three administrative assistants and uh, not truly understand what it means to get down in the trenches and, and try to build a company. Yeah. And, I, and I've, I've seen and heard stories uh, of people I know who've done that and probably brought somebody in from that level too soon who really didn't know what it was going to be like to j- jump into a startup. And so they're yeah. not used to the hours. They're not used to um, having to do the grunt work. They have, you know, staff that do that, so to speak. Yeah. And so I think culturally that can be really uh, problematic. Yeah, in a startup you end up always having a little bit, you're you're doing a job that you didn't expect. Right. You kind of get brought on for something and then you, oh, I guess I'm going to do this too now. So when hiring a sales team for your startup, what exactly do you look for? I really look for personality traits more so than I do a particular industry vertical or experience levels. Mm -hmm. Uh, We hire a lot of entry-level people at STEAM because we really want to mold people around the way that we want to do things. And, and, and we find that that works really well. And, and again, I believe that people can learn to sell and I don't think you have to just Mm -hmm. be born that way. But, um, I, I just look for people who have a certain level of hunger. I think it really doesn't hurt to find somebody who has an obvious chip on their shoulder. I kind (laughs) of like that. I think people who have a little bit of that edge tend to do really well because they're out to prove something. Um, and certainly there's not a cookie cutter approach to that, but there's certain things like hunger and ambition that mm-hmm. you just kind of need, uh, whether yeah. it's sales or other things, frankly. But When you interview, how do you detect that hunger and ambition? You, you just want to try to get them to tell you about experiences rather than just asking direct questions and getting kind of canned responses. Just get them to describe things that they've done in their career that have led to something and what it taught them and what were the obstacles, and why didn't they quit, and, you know, things like that, so that you can really get a sense of uh, not just, uh, you know, how people view things, but what they've done as a result of that. Yeah. So um, in sales, what what did you start off being really bad at, and maybe you've gotten better at? Listening. Okay. I had a problem. I I would talk over people because I was constantly thinking about what I wanted to say. Yeah in meetings and things like that. And I actually had a boss who was pretty great about it. He, he sort of called me out on it one day, and, and I realized he was right. I also used to sort of mumble under my breath because I was afraid of, like, dead air. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty common, I think, in sales where you just feel like you have to just keep talking all the time and, um, and, and, and not be okay with uncomfortable silences. And I think actually uncomfortable silences can be a very powerful sales strategy in yeah. certain respects, particularly with negotiating. So those kinds of things, you know, you're just young and you're eager and you're naive and you just don't, you know, know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's, um, let's turn a little bit to some advice we want to give for our founders who um, are going to start hitting enterprise sales cycles. Can you kind of go into what that means and your approach to that? Well, when I think about the enterprise, obviously you're talking about more complex organizations that you're trying to sell into, and they're typically longer sales cycles. Um, the The approach is a little bit different with every one. Uh, I think you have to have a certain level of patience with it. You have to 
really network within these organizations and try to figure out really where the um, source of uh, decision making is happening. And it's usually not one person. So there's a lot of um, kind of trial and error. And, and this is really where you go from kind of sales 101 to, to more advanced selling because you really have to understand how kind of the hierarchy works. How do you get people to want to have a conversation with you? And, and depending on what you're selling, you know, if you, if you have a product that the company is not already going to have to buy, like in our industry, people are going to buy transportation from someone. And so our job is to get them to buy it from us instead of someone else. If I was selling software, I might not think they need it at all. And so that's a wholly different approach. You yeah. have to help sort of sell them on the concept before you can sell them on your solution. And so that's a, that's a much longer sales cycle typically as well, because what you're battling in a lot of cases is inertia. It's mm-hmm. just people not wanting to do anything. Um, and people generally change when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change, right? Until, until the pain of staying in your present state is greater than the thought process involved in actually making a change. Yeah they're generally not going to do much. And so our job as salespeople is to sort of illuminate what that pain looks like without calling it pain. That's sort of the the new cliche of sales is asking people what their pain points are, which is a really silly question. But but uncovering areas of dissatisfaction so that then you can help illuminate the cost of that satisfaction to the organization and then how you can can remedy it. So Mm -hmm. It is a uh, it is a uh, a much different process than selling to like a small or medium sized business. There's a lot of great books out there um, that I would recommend that people read who want to really understand how to sort of approach that complex sale. There's an older book in the, from the 90s called Spin Selling, which most people in sales have either heard of or read. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably one of the best all encompassing books on sort of how to approach the enterprise sales process. Mm -hmm. And then there's a follow-up book written by the same author. I think it's Neil Rackman. um, And I forget the title off the top of my head, but it's sort of, um, I think it's called major account strategy or something like that. But it's, it's, it's just sort of takes it to another level of, of, uh, of, of sort of how you approach that, but it's very smart. And it's, again, it's 20 something years old, but it's very, very relevant. I just read it again, uh, not too long ago. Very cool. When you're approaching a sale, are you aggressive? You said you like people with a chip on their shoulder. Do you come at this with a cocky kind of we're better than everyone else tone? Are you super polite? Does it vary? Uh, kind of talk a little bit about just the personality behind the sale. I try to be uh, not overly aggressive. And, and I guess the, it depends on how you define that word. I'm aggressive in that I will go after things pretty relentlessly and 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 I'll... Um, you know, I'll have a robust pipeline of people I'm trying to get in front of. So from that point of view, I am aggressive. But in terms of my personal interactions, either Mm -hmm. via email or phone, I try to immediately take people off the defensive by not being aggressive or cocky. I try to um, ask a lot of smart questions. Really part of the job of a salesperson, especially trying to break into a big account, is to kind of credential yourself. And by doing that, I mean establishing that you're somebody worth talking to. Um, if you're talking to the VP of supply chain at Coca-Cola, you better be able to have a conversation that will give this person the impression, at least, that you know what you're doing and that you are self-aware to, enough to know you're not going to call this person on the phone and catch them and then suddenly get 
some business out of them. That just doesn't work that way. Right. You're gonna, you're hoping that you can just establish a dialogue, and that's a, a, that's the very first step in what is probably a 75 step process right. over potentially 18 months. Yeah, who knows? Maybe not that long, but the point is. You have to go into it knowing that there's going to be certain things that are going to be barriers and you have to be okay with the fact that it's going to take some time to to figure out what those are and then it's going to take some time to uh, figure out a way to, to kind of break through them. And I think you can give the impression to somebody that you know what you're doing a lot through questions and, and the nature of the questions that you're asking and showing that you have a true desire to learn about their organization before you start sort of spouting off, you know, features and benefits of whatever you're selling. Yeah, what I'm getting is, I think a lot of people have this impression of salespeople, um, bad salespeople, talking and talking and talking and talking and talking and kind of convincing you of something that you didn't know you need, and then you leave kind of feeling scammed. Right. But you kind of keep bringing up this recurring theme of you need to listen more than you talk. Um, For sure. While giving the impression that you know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, and saying and talking when you need to, but... Um, very cool. Uh, one more thing I want to talk about um, uh, with Dynamo, we have told our teams a big part of the process is at the end getting pilots and trials. Yep. Um, so why are these important? Why are the pilots and trials so important for teams? Uh, we tell our people a lot that the people that we're calling on within supply chain, logistics, transportation, however you want to kind of put those things together, they're all different but similar. These people don't just manage supply chain or or transportation, they also manage risk for a living. And that's a big part of what we try to do is help them see that we are a low risk um, option for them. And so I think what trials and uh, pilots are great about is it allows you to give people an opportunity to try you with a very low risk uh, environment. Mm -hmm. And so I think they're great. Um, I have been involved in those types of things in various parts of my career. And uh, I think where I have failed in those environments is not having a more defined process of what the pilot is. You know, I think if not done correctly, you can have these sort of open-ended trials that never sort of come to fruition as an actual right. uh, financial relationship. That would be my one, you know, my word of caution on them is just making sure they're well-defined. Yeah. And in the nature, and, and, and it's natural to want to not focus on that on the front end because you're just trying to get in the door right you're mm -hmm. just like if you'll do this you know we'll figure it out later yeah, just yeah. say yes so we yeah. can get started on something and you get all kind of geeked up about it but I think I think it's important you know once you get some interest to to let people know okay here's what we think this trial should look like and get some agreement on the front end of what you know what's the term what's going to happen at the end so that when you get there everybody's already on the same page um, and hopefully it's such a good experience that, you know, people aren't going to have a problem going forward in a more robust manner at mm -hmm. the end of them. Great. Well, is there anything else you want to add? I don't think so. I, I just am really anxious to see. I've, I've met a couple of the teams that will be coming in. Yeah. Um, not very many of them, but um, I'm anxious to, uh, to get to meet some of these folks. And it sounds like it's going to be a really good group from all over the world, frankly. Oh, we um, are excited. Um, we've, we're quickly narrowing them down, um, so we should have a final team very soon. Um, and you'll be a mentor. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you're excited about as a mentor? Well, I love, 
I, I love business and I love I love entrepreneurs and mm-hmm. I think just having an opportunity to uh, give any little insight that I might have to somebody who's trying to figure out how to grow a company. You know, I, my expertise is 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 pretty well grounded in kind of the business development revenue side of of, of business, and so that's a really critical part for anybody to scale a company uh, from nothing. Well, we are very very glad to have you, um, and thank you so much for talking. My pleasure. Thanks. All right, that's this week's episode. Check us out on Friday for a quick chat, and next week we will have two members from the GE Ventures team here to talk with us. It's going to be great.